Tomato Jungle Puddle, Jack in a Box Mexico Tangent. Billericay Shed, Jackson Pancake. Tamagotchi Edison Lima Buckle Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Latin Backgammon Turtle Buckle Monster. Cactus Minosaur Solipsistic Tart Munger. Trapdoor Still Popcorn, Saturn Drivel Past. Shallow Red Door, Blue Door, Chased Petunia. Chuckles. Tally-ho, Roger. Lice Seesaw. Shallots. And Forest. Little Tray Barnacle Love. Bugle Total Flower Pot. Centimetre. Piano Land Ragu Tilt. Dinosaur Fling. Drainpipe Overload Monkey. Uh, Filo Pastry Gilt Lobster. Uh, gilded Ukulele Dollop. And, of course, a review of the latest episode, The Lodger. So, what did everyone... Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry, guys. I think I must have left the mixer on Scramble. We're going to have to do it again. <sighs> Look, I'm, I'm really sorry. Or we could just leave it. Works for me. Hello, uh, Bimble, uh, what's it, uh, uh, thingy head. Oh, no, it looks like Laura's still on scramble. No, I don't think so. She just talks like that sometimes. Oh, true. Wibble. Yep, hello and welcome to the Oodcast. Uh, I think you can all understand us now, uh, so I guess we'll just quickly go around and introduce everyone again. With me this week is Andrew. Hello. Chris Alpha. Chug- oh, hello. <laughs> Laura. Hello, everyone. And I'm Chris Sigma. That's not my real name for tax reasons. So, everyone, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday afternoon? It's great. We're in the basement and we don't know if the sun's shining or not. Oh, it probably isn't. It wasn't on the way here. Weather is crazy at the moment. It is. It's mad. This morning it was sort of raining, but not. But this is quite boring, isn't it? For I think it's going to be quite interesting for people who don't live in this country. <laughs> or, in <laughs> or, or in a basement. Or in a basement, yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. All Doctor Who news all the time. In fact... Oodcast News. Welcome to the Oodcast News. This week... The business secretary Vince Cable has denied the tabloid expose which claimed that he was in the Doctor Who episode Amy's Choice. He said the pictures showed him eating a gherkin. The Shadow Proclamation is drawing up a set of health and safety guidelines for instant telepathic communication. They said they probably should review the current practice of headbutting. Ryman's the stationer to open new flagship store on the fifth moon of Cinder Callista. Metropolitan Police have issued guidance to the public to avoid following or offering assistance to small girls in pigtails with sing-song voices, as they are increasingly likely to be possessed by demons, be a killer hologram, or just, in the words of Chief Inspector Bannerman, seriously creep you out. Eagle-eyed fans have spotted that filming for this year's Christmas special began in South Africa this week. The secret being given away when what officials thought was a laser pen picked out the feet of an Argentinian player in their opening World Cup match against Nigeria. This was revealed to be the light of the sonic screwdriver and the BBC have since revealed that the special is set at the World Cup and features a brainwashed national team and a creature called a Vuvuzela that feeds on the fear of failure and whose roar sounds a lot like 10,000 plastic trumpets being blown at once. 
Residents in the Ackerman Road area of Colchester have reported the local cats as recently becoming more understanding of what people say. There are unverified reports of some cats actually speaking. One man, who wished to remain anonymous, said he was telling his cat about his day when all of a sudden it looked into the middle distance and said, You know what, I'm off out for a bit, before walking nonchalantly away. More news from Colchester now, and police in the area are investigating a number of disappearances after the following advert appeared in local classified pages. To rent. Ridiculously spacious top-floor studio apartment, single room, all mod cons including white goods and time rotor. To share with one housemate a variable age and gender, GSOH, tidy, homicidal and a wonderful cook. Apply in person. And finally, sports news. And in the Interspecies Cashel Comfort Cup, the results are Sontar and Wanderers, 2, Slitheen Athletic, 1. There are some who say the scoreline would have been much higher had the Slovene not threatened the referee with disembowelment, leading to the abandonment of the match at half-time. Hath Harriers, nil. Jagrafess United, nil. Yes, a team of one with no legs would certainly seem to be at a disadvantage to a team of bipeds. However, it appears the Jagrafess player simply stationed himself in goal and ate all members of the opposing side who approached. Still, I'm sure the Hath will be able to find themselves another 11 players soon enough. Cyberdyne FC 2. Chelsea. Um, I'm sorry, I, I'm told the Chelsea players have marched upon the studio and would like their goals credited to the opposing side. So that's Cyberdyne FC 5. Chelsea 0. Broadcast News. Right, so everybody, the lodger. What do we think? Loved it. <laughs> Straight in there, no mystery. Is there with Andrew? No, I loved it. It was great. Oh, do you know what I really liked about it was that it was different. But you know, the doctor as a flatmate. Oh, what a brilliant idea! And would he survive? And will he be any good at it? And also, it told a fantastic story. And for me, it was doing what Doctor Who is really good at doing. It was telling a pretty good story really, really well. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> it was telling a pretty good story really well. <laughs> well. What I mean is, it was kind of like a bit of EastEnders. You know, come on, guys, you've got to get out there and sort your life out. Um, you know, which in itself is a fairly sort of mediocre narrative but what doctor who can do with fairly mediocre narratives is turn it into something really blossomingly wonderful and that's what this episode did has anyone read the original comic strip that it was based on no yes but i don't remember anything about it apart from the fact that i recognized it when i saw it on doctor who confidential all i remember about it it stars uh, mickey and the 10th doctor i think and it starts with mickey going into his bathroom and getting his toothbrush and then Sonicking all his teeth out because it's actually the sonic screwdriver, <laughs> which I think they should have left in. That would have been very funny. <laughs> they can't well, do that. They would the... screw up ITV's World Cup coverage. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that the doctor chasing the chappie with an electric toothbrush was almost as good. Yeah, the same joke was sort of in there. I mean, it was written by the same guy, Gareth yeah. Roberts. Roberts. Is yeah. That right? yes. yeah. The same guy that wrote the Shakespeare Code and the Unicorn and the Wasp. And I think he's gone on record saying that it's the most 
like his personality. It's the one he's the most proud of, actually. Mm. The dialogue was sparkling all the way through. Loving the uh, the doctor when asked, so what, I mean, are you a young professional? No, I'm uh, more of an ancient amateur. But frankly, I'm an absolute dream. <laughs> and uh, um, another one I really loved was the annihilate the team no violence do you understand me not while i'm around not today not ever i'm the doctor the oncoming storm and you basically meant beat them in a football match didn't you (laughs) you couldn't see david tennant's doctor being in this situation not understanding how much money costs or basic human interaction that i mean the 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 tenant doctor was incredibly sharp and and better at it than most humans the one thing Mm. that confused me is that why did it take him headbutting the guy for him to work out he wasn't human because it's like like you said nothing he did or said seemed to chime (sighs) as right and unless maybe that was why he had to headbutt him because i was quite surprised they used a headbutt as i alluded to i have to headbutt you because you are thick (laughs) i have to literally beat this into you yeah yeah maybe that was the reason Chris was expanding about quite an interesting theory that he'd heard about uh, from, I think, Chip, the two-minute Time Lord. That's right, yeah. Shall I... I mean, I'm sure most people listen to the two-minute Time Lord, and if you don't, you should, because it's great. Uh, But what Chip was talking about a few weeks ago was the role of the Doctor's subconscious in shaping his next regeneration. Mm. So the tenth incarnation died, basically, because he was too human and he cared too much. And Chip was basically wondering... Was there something in the back of the doctor's head as he regenerated that went, you went too far there, you, be- you felt too much, this next incarnation needs mm. to pull back on that? And I think that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way of explaining in the fiction what is actually a producer going, right, we need someone completely different from the last guy. But it's just, I just love it as, a, mm. as an idea. So well done, Chip. That is awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good idea. I did like the way that it, he's a lot more, to me, it's a bit more like towards the seventh Doctor. There is that moment in Remembrance of the Daleks where Ace goes into the cafe to buy a, a cup of coffee and a bacon sandwich. She tips her money out onto the counter. One of them starts crawling off across the counter and, and nothing is earth money. But, I mean, that the only thing missing for me was... Um, this doctor not actually having proper money in that envelope and having something <laughs> ridiculous that is another planet's version of money. He's playing the part. There was always the sense with the second doctor that he was playing the clown rather than actually mm. being the clown. Mm. Uh, I mean, the doctor's a genius. He does know how much money is. So he's just very... He do I, not I think believed so? him when he came up with that bag and that had something like 10 grand in it. And he goes, um, is this a lot? It looks like it might be a lot, but I can never really tell. And then later on where he goes, I learned to cook in Paris. Was that the 17th? No, hold on. 16th? Oh, I can't get that. I never really get these in the right order. You know, his mind is elsewhere. He's not concerned with the linear progression of time or the minutiae of living a day. One maybe day he's going senile. Another. Yeah, maybe. Well, he's he very does, old now. Like, yeah. Yes, this is like the third or fourth time that we've heard him go, I'm so old, I'm too old, oh, I'm wearing mm. out. Doesn't look very worn out to me. I thought that the relationship between, I was about to say Smithy, (laughs) but Craig Craig. and his not quite a girlfriend was a little bit cod, not very Mm. believable. Plus also I quite like the dynamic of her slowly falling or quickly falling for the doctor and not really him not really having the tools to deal with that. But also I thought that it was strange because... Partially, you've got the doctor trying to encourage her to go off and talk to orangutans and this and that. 
they only defeated it by wanting to stay exactly where they were. And how how does that gel with the Doctor trying to get her to go away? I don't... Well, the Doctor didn't know what it was until he went upstairs. So the whole going away thing only became relevant when he realised that it was a time ship that mm. was trying to get away. Then he realised he'd done mm. the wrong thing in encouraging her to leave. It's like, oh no, I've just endangered the entire universe. Just Earth. Well, Earth. <laughs> the solar system, guys. The oh, solar yeah. system. Why? Why would... Was it that his brain was too big? Would the ship taking off have destroyed the solar system? I got the feeling that because the Doctor is um, like amazing and Time Lord and stuff, that, okay, so he could have piloted the ship away, but something about him, like the Artron energy that is discussed in The Deadly Assassin, he's full of goodness knows what, and therefore... Um, in piloting the ship, something might have short-circuited and drawn the energy from out of him and been too much for the ship's systems and blown it up, taking the solar system with it. Now, we haven't mentioned Amy, and I have to say Karen Gillan is definitely an actor of two parts. When she's engaged in it... When is she's she a bit not... like an actor of two halves? Eh? No, hey! eh? Oh, more football <laughs> references. She, uh, When she's engaged in the script, she absolutely delivers 100%, but when she's on autopilot... She is not a good actress, and she was on autopilot throughout this whole episode. I have to say, every time she sort of starts every line with a run-up, mm. I don't know if you've noticed this, she's trapped <laughs> on the TARDIS, and yet when the Doctor rings, she's like, Hello, Doctor! Yes! Mm. And like that kind of knockabout energy that mm. she has. But every line was delivered that way. There was never any sense, even when she thought she was going to spin off into the vortex, there was never any sense that she was in danger. No, I thought she delivered that line all right. No, it was too jolly. I think, I mean, I am a, I'm a huge fan of Karen Gillan, but I do think she needs to really, because when she does, when she does act, when she gets the script, she's astounding. Mm. Something I also found quite amusing about this episode <laughs> was the Doctor working in a call centre and how oh, the manager... Mm seems to think he's incredible, even though his sole purpose appears to be to tell the customers to F off. Yes. How isn't, is that isn't a that what people good going, trait? Isn't that your, your weekly goal for the uh, for when you're working in a call centre anyway? Goal! <laughs> <laughs> is to be as rude as possible to as many customers as you can yeah, fit in. I think, Chris, you're, I think it, Chris is right. I think it's wish <laughs> fulfilment, isn't it? I think that um, people want to be able to say the things that the doctor was saying there so and have the manager approve of them saying it as well it's a nice little scene and get a custard cream i tried desperately to write a sketch about the doctor being rude to people but it just seemed the normal thing to do to be rude so it didn't come out Mm. very funny so i stopped but i wrote this instead Good afternoon and welcome to the final match of this historic Galactic Cup tournament. The atmosphere here in the stadium is electric. Indeed, some of the fans are actually beings of pure energy. And they're all here tonight to watch this astounding final contest between Gallifrey and Scaro. It's been a surprising tournament in more ways than one. But even so, few people could have predicted that the final match would be played between two planets that don't actually exist anymore. Barry? That's right, Terry. There was initially some scepticism that with only one surviving member of the species in the entire universe, the Gallifreyan side would be able to field a team. But luckily, all 11 incarnations of the player have turned up from across time, and that was exactly the number they needed. Let's hope they don't need a substitution, eh, Barry? Precisely, Terry. There appears to be two men on the subs bench, one that looks a bit like Richard E. Grant and one who looks like Peter Cushing, but they've been banned from participating on account of not being canon. 
They must be disappointed with that decision, Barry. Of course, Scaro have their problems as well. You mean the fact they don't have feet, Terek? I do indeed, Barry. But the Dalek side have got around the minor niggle by recruiting ringers from across the galaxy. When FA officials tried to intervene, they were immediately exterminated. The association tried to press the issue, but unfortunately ran out of officials. Nasty business, that. And now the referee is taking his place on the pitch, ready to blow the whistle and start the match. Not much is known about the mysterious Valyard, but he always wears black, and as a referee, that can only be a good thing. I'm sure he's completely unbiased in every way. And they're off. Gallifrey immediately take possession. The Doctor passes back to the Doctor, who chips it forward to the Doctor. Long pass now down the line to the Doctor, who finds space to whip the ball across to the Doctor, who takes it perfectly in his stride. Perhaps we should start using shirt numbers here, Barry. Otherwise, this commentary might get a little repetitive. Good call, Terry. So it's number two, punting it down the wing. He's looking a little inept and comical, but it seems the Ice Warrior defender has underestimated him. That's a beautiful cross to number five. Number five looks bewildered. It's like the rules of the game are lost on him. He's making strange windmill motions with his arms. And that's a vicious tackle by the Jadoon player. The Jadoon's a boon, but kicks too soon. Well said, Barry. Intercepted by number eight, earning his first cap for Gallifrey. This young player looks set for a promising... Oh... Oh dear, he's lost possession to a vervoid. I doubt we'll see much more of him after that lackluster performance. Too right, Barry. Scorer are now pushing up the field. It's looking bad for the Gallifreyan team. The Cyberman player has the ball and he's clomping over the halfway line. He's cyber-enhanced with machine parts. Surely he's unstoppable. No, I spoke too soon. He's been easily defeated with some gold. That was convenient. It feels like the eight is again. One has the ball now. He's making his way agonisingly slowly to the opponent's half. Something's wrong. He looks out of breath. He's stopping in the middle of the pitch. He's signalling he's exhausted. The Gallifreyan team are going to have to make a substitution. But I thought there wasn't anyone. It's a miracle. Richard Herndl has hobbled onto the pitch to replace number one. What an amazing game this is turning out to be. Number three has the ball now. He's being marked by an Ogron. Can he get past the midfielder? He swings to the left, and surely that's a foul. That it is, Barry. It was a slightly pathetic karate chop to the neck, but the big guy's gone down like a sack of potatoes. That's Venusia Nikido for you. So, free kick to Scaro. Can the Weeping Angel convert this opportunity? I don't know, Barry. It looks like he's been frozen into a quantum lock state by all the spectators. Now that lad was a poor signing by the Dalek manager Davros, and what a wasted opportunity for the Scaro side. Gallifrey have possession again, a, a brief run by number 9 who immediately passes it on to number 10. This player seems incredibly popular with the majority of the crowd, but it has to be said, less so with the season ticket holders. Absolutely, but he's racing up the field now. Looks like he's particularly used to running. He's like a whippet. Dodges past the Gelt defender who's just all over the place and delivers a stunning cross to number 7 who... That was amazing! It's like number seven knew exactly where to be. Like the whole match and everything was happened so far has always been leading up to this moment as part of some gigantic cosmic s scheme. And the opposition's tetrap goalie will not be pleased. He just didn't see it coming. Which is saying something when you have 360 degree vision. Exactly, Terry. So it's Scaro to kick off and it seems they've brought out the big guns. Quite literally, it's the special weapons Dalek. It's preparing to shoot. Number four runs up with an open bag of jelly babies, but is unsuccessful in diverting the player's attention. He's trying a football rattle now, but to no avail. Now he's whipped out two wires and he's monologuing about the moral dilemma of touching them together and wiping out the opposing team before they've ever been created. The special weapons Dalek fires and it goes straight into the net. There's a cracking goal. Dark times now for the Gallifreyan team. Their goalie would have had to have had the agility of a cat to get to that shot. And alas, he only had the badge of a cat. 
And to make matters worse, due to an unexplained time anomaly, there's only minutes left on the clock. Number 11 has the ball from kickoff. He's bounding down the pitch, seemingly totally out of control, but with an odd kind of grace about him. Only one Dalek defender now between him and the Gallifreyan victory. The crowd are going wild, waving one giant scarf between all 30,000 of them. He picks his moment, he shoots, and... Oh, plunger ball, surely. The ref agrees, and that's a penalty to the Gallifreyan team. A hush falls over the stadium. Even the Hath are holding their breath. Number 11 places the ball on the penalty spot. He does a 12, fixes his eyes on the goal. It all comes down to this moment. Time and again, the Skyro team have tried to push up the field, and every time they get within sight of the goal, they find that it is defended. Now the Doctor has the opportunity to win the match outright. All eyes are on him as he prepares to shoot. You can tell because the Weeping Angel has finally left the field. This is it. A final chance to prevent the victory of the Daleks at the 11th hour. The Doctor runs up to the ball. He curls it to the right. It looks good. Unbelievable! At the last second, a crack in space and time has opened up and swallowed the... Actually, I don't recall what it swallowed up. Me neither. In fact, why have all these people been standing on a grass field for 90 minutes with nothing to kick around? Why didn't we all get bored? I don't know, Barry. It doesn't make any sense. One thing's for sure, though. They think it's all over. But did it actually ever begin? You know, the Doctor has used several different kinds of biscuits in his uh, adventures. Mm, Obviously, he's got a ginger nut that's with him at all times. And he's got a jammy Dodger. In this episode, he has a custard cream. What is next? Bourbon. Rich tea biscuit of crackingness. I'm trying to think of a biscuit that rhymes with Pandorica. Jammy Dodger. (laughs) (laughs) No, I changed that too much. Okay, well, we've got a lot to get through this week, so let's wrap up this review with our final thoughts, starting with Andrew. I thought it was great. As I said at the beginning, just lovely, lovely slice of Doctor Who. Slightly different direction from normal, and that's what I love about Doctor Who. It's like a big box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And it's always great, unless it's one of those really chewy, <laughs> annoying ones, but we don't get them very often. Coffee-flavoured ones. Yeah, th- thank you, talkative Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it was very, very nice. And I didn't even hate James Corden, even though he seems to be on my TV more than Graham Norton at the moment. I thought it was a bit like this apple crumble that I tried to make the <laughs> other day, but it, I didn't have any butter, so I had to replace it with peanut butter. And so the top <laughs> kind of went a bit gloopy. So there were bits of it that were really, really nice, and it was a bit sickly sweet in places and slightly cloying. But overall, I still kept eating it for ages. I have to say that that apple crumble was the best thing I've ever eaten. No, I don't think it was the best episode, actually. Um, I really enjoyed it, though, and much more than I thought I would. Um, I am a complete softie. I love the little unrequited love storyline. I really enjoyed the Doctor being absolutely crazy, even if I think he was perhaps a little too crazy. I don't think the Doctor was quite that mad. I just, I thought it was it was so funny that I forgave them that slight character inconsistency, and I'm sure we can hammer a reason in at some point why that was so i think he was just a little bit sort of um drunk for, he was no, drunk i think he was you know lots of adrenaline he was like completely out of his depth i mean a flat share. oh love the line where he goes take me to my room in that sort of take me to your leader kind of style it's like i've got a room woo blimey maybe it was because the tardis was away and so part of his sort of cerebral structure had left yeah <laughs> so he was a bit kind of crazed Ooh. 
No, that's just fan wibble. <laughs> wibble. Are we really going to end the review on wibble? Well, we ended, we ended the, introduction. the introduction of wibble. Okay. Littlest Doctor isn't here this week to talk to anybody, um, but I have spent time with him recently, and I managed to capture on video his latest habit. Now, as well as being dressed constantly at the moment as Matt Smith, or rather the 11th Doctor, he's um, started running like Matt Smith, or more specifically, Matt Smith in the Doctor Who Adventures video game, where if an enemy is close by, the Doctor automatically crouches down. And then when you move, he stands up to run. Then when you stop moving, he crouches down again. Um, and we were at Dover Castle on Sunday, and he started doing this around the battlements of the castle, which if you actually go around, it could be something like a mile round. <laughs> um, luckily, we didn't go all the way around. But um, if you go to our website, hopefully, and um, probably on our Facebook page, I would guess, if I can get it up there, um, there will be... Um, a short clip of about 30 seconds of him doing this on a street somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where. So that's HTTP colon slash slash theoodcast.com if you want to see the littlest doctor running as if he was in a computer game. <laughs> um, which just reminds me, we're recording this on the 15th, which means finally the Doctor Who game has come out for Max and I will be able to play it through and next week we will review it. Because mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. Presumably you've already played it. Through, I have been playing with it. I've not played it all the time, but I, have, I haven't finished it. But I have been playing it on and off, yes. I will play it and I will not stop until I've completed it <laughs> and got all of the keys. I don't know. There's something to collect, I expect. Yes. Biscuits. Cards. Biscuits. <laughs> Cards, I think. Cards. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I've got a bit of a surprise now because I was rifling through other Doctor Who podcasts, as is my wont when I don't have anything to do. And I came across one that I'd never listened to before called the 20 Megabyte Doctor Who podcast. And it's very funny. It's a sort of a sort of it is a father and daughter team who who do it. And they sort of have very, very charming arguments and disagreements <laughs> and review Doctor Who. But they also appear to review podcasts. And uh, imagine my surprise when the following came on. Uh, and specifically this week, the Ood cast. I love... I'm actually getting... I like the Who... The Ood cast. The Ood, the Ood cast. I like their theme tune. Now, the Ood cast is uh, a group of four very, very far too intelligent for me people who... Um, write uh, music and sketches in relation to the latest Doctor Who. It's a little bit like... Um, I like it. Uh, well, it's just brilliant. So talented. And uh, um, I think everybody should have a, a listen. Look, and look up to them. Yeah, the Oodcast. Yes, look it up on, on um, iTunes because it's, it's well worth a listen. Much better than our podcast. Much better than most of them, actually. Well, so, so you're no, actually not promoting our content podcast should I oh, well, like bring well, it down no I'm just trying, trying to find a new presenter co-presenter oh for goodness sake you're still going on with that because you're still talking over me anyway I, only because you don't like being talking over because and I'm better you're, than you yeah but you're diversing again I'm talking about the Oodcast and you're going on about other no, things no I'm not what I was saying was the Oodcast is 
one of the best podcasts. Yes, ever. It is, is that fair enough? Yes. Right. Thank you. So, oh, that was sweet. I'm chuffed. I'm, I've amazing. just been called talented and intelligent. No, no, we were all called talented and intelligent. Oh, was so that all of us? <laughs> In Andrew's head it went, and Andrew is particularly good, isn't he? With, with lots of, hello, Andrew, <laughs> hand gestures. Uh, that is amazing. That is really, really, really nice. Isn't yeah. that nice? Just mm-hmm. apropos of nothing to say such lovely things about us. And uh, we're in a basement and they tell people to look up to us. <laughs> Silurians <laughs> can look up to us. Um, so, yes, so thank you very much um, to the 20 Megabyte yeah, Doctor Who podcast. Much. And I recommend that you go and have a listen because the bickering is brilliant. It reminds <laughs> me very funny. of the Seventh Doctor and Ace <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Which is a brilliant thing because I love the Seventh Doctor and Ace. Right. This is an, possibly a new feature called Future Who. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a case to you for what I think could be a potential real life adversary or situation for the next series of Doctor Who. Um, and this week, I am going to uh, put forward the case for the football team of North Korea. <laughs> for these reasons, um, they have. Obviously, they have a military dictator and a slightly unfeasible society, I think, um, in that they don't seem to have any food because the dictators just decided to withdraw all state rations from all people. What? For some reason, yes, I know. When? Anyway, this is a political thing, so let's ignore it. Essentially, when North Korea qualified for the World Cup, it was the first time they qualified since 1966, and the dictator, uh, well, Kim Jong-il, I'll call him by his name, issued a decree refusing the state broadcaster permission to show any World Cup matches unless North Korea won the competition. The North Korean team coach and the media officer are typical villainous henchmen. They did a press conference yesterday where all of the national teams have to answer questions from the world's press. And they sat there blank-faced in stony silence towards most of the questions. And the most, the highlights <laughs> were the, the press asked the question, who picks the team, the coach or King, Kim Jong-il? And that was met by silence. And then they asked, will North Korea be pursuing the same counter-attacking strategy that they pursued in qualifying? And the coach said, I believe that we are called the Korean DPR, so please do not use any other name for us, and refused to answer the question. But my main reason is Kim Jong-il, because he clearly is brazen as a dictator and uh, has a very good sense of humour, which would be perfect for Stephen Moffat. Um, having previously refused to show any of the matches, he then relent. He has now relented, and some of the matches have been shown on state TV. They didn't show the Great Devil versus Not So Great Devil or USA versus England as we know it. But then it turned out that North Korea have obtained their broadcast feed from an unofficial source, and international broadcasters are investigating this urgently because apparently they stole an illegal feed from the broadcasting. They they stole an illegal feed of the match to they show on their a TV. spaceship <laughs> to take it from a satellite. And on it sounds like a perfect adversary for the eleventh Doctor. Although I'm not quite sure that on the scale of things, nicking a feed for a Uruguay versus France match is quite on the same level as waving your nuclear warheads at people and sinking your neighbour's warships. Plus, the BBC do already have some of the uniforms because John Sim modelled them on the end of time. So there are my reasons for North Korea being one of the next series villains. Well, you heard it here first, a crossover between 
<laughs> football and Doctor Who, or continued crossover, I should say, between Doctor Who and... be Escape from the Victory of Darks. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess they could start commentating on Doctor Who episodes. Well, Alan, what did you make of that? Make of what? The game. Terrible, the defending was awful. What was Pond thinking, taking off like that and leaving the Doctor exposed at the back? I think that was hard for her to avoid, Alan. Nonsense, all she had to do was hold the line, keep tight on him, and that would have never happened. Well, I suppose so. And that Craig chap, what pathetic indiscipline. What do you mean? Well, he could have nipped a lot of the problems they faced in the bud with a pre-game chat. All he did was complicate things by bringing the issue onto the pitch. Actually, I spoke to Craig in the tunnel straight after the match, and this is what he had to say for himself. So, Craig, what happened out there? Well, things were going well in the first half. Sophie was staying with me all the way, and we seemed to be making progress. And then? Well, it's a game of two halves, isn't it? The dot came on, and the whole game turned on its head. You didn't seem too pleased with the way it was going for quite a while there. No, well, he seemed a bit wrapped up in himself for a bit, but at the end of the day, I suppose quality will always show through, and that's what happened. Rumour had it that you started with a few little niggles that you hadn't quite got over in the run-up to this afternoon. Any truth in that? Well, we had the odd niggle, right? Nothing I couldn't cope with, and playing through the pain barrier is all part and parcel of the game these days, right? Fair enough. Craig, thank you. Cheers, Gary. Well, that's what Craig had to say. And while we're on the pre-game issues, Alan, what was it with the bow tie? Gary, bow ties are cool. Well, on that bombshell, we'll see you next week for more action. Well, that's it for this week, folks. And so that just remains for us all to say goodbye. It's goodbye from me, Andy. Me, Chris Alpha. Me, Laura. And me, Chris Sigma. And if you'd like to get in touch with us or leave any comments or feedback or suggestions, just go to www.theoodcast.com or stick The Oodcast on the end of your favourite social networking browser address. You'll probably find us there. As long as it's Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, we're not on Bebo or MySpace. <laughs> or in, do they exist? Oh, what? MySpace does. Is Bebo real? Yes, Bebo is yes, real. Is real. <laughs> the myth of Bebo. <laughs> I just want to remind everyone that we also have the great Oodcast song competition running. You have another week and a bit to get in your song lyrics for Laura to sing. We've had a few entries, but there is still a very good chance that you will win. Because unlike most competitions where hundreds of people enter, this is more like half a dozen will enter. So if you have ever dreamed of having a wonderful songstress turn your words into sweet, sweet music, this is your chance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think we should finish by all saying what our favourite biscuit is. I like Fox's Golden Crunch Creams. Digestives, I'm boring. Fox's Milk Chocolate Melts. Milk chocolate hobnobs. Can I change mine? <laughs> I really like those Choco Leibniz ones that are more chocolate than biscuit. That could be cheating. Overruled. <laughs>